The dream is what the whole thing's about. That's why we're drawn to it almost every sport. A kid has a dream to get in the bigs, and we're going to follow his path there, and then someday he's going to get there and hoist the trophy. Long term, I don't really see people gravitating to this live tour because it doesn't have that underlying competitive spirit that I think we love, actually. Put another log on the fire Nobody here is getting tired Welcome back to the Fire Pit Collective for yet another Fire Drill podcast. Uh, I'm Matt Janella and I'm joined by Alan Shipnook in London, who's just covered the first inaugural live event. Michael Bamberger, Ryan French of Monday Q Info, Mac Barnhart has joined us. And uh, guys, excited to you know break this all down. Before we get going, want to thank some of our sponsors who help make all of this possible. Parpoints, Brandon Ebert and Kevin Quinley obviously have created the revolutionary app and an alternative to how we score the game of golf. Can't thank them enough for their support. I suggest downloading the Parpoints app today. Go make par. It's a lot of fun, especially for families, beginners, and buddies trips who are looking for an alternative way of uh, scoring a format. Dormy Workshop have helped us uh, put our logo on some incredible new merchandise that we're dropping next week, U.S. Open week, uh, that we're uh, very excited about. And uh, we, we're pretty sure that you will be too. And then Bag Boy, uh, who makes the what I believe to be the best uh, push cart out there in the business, and I don't think uh, they have any competition. Can't thank all of them enough for their support of what we're doing here. And what we're doing here today is – is most notably checking in with Alan as this live event is in the books, Alan. And um, looking forward to hearing uh, your your sort of wrap-up thoughts. Yeah, well, I wrote this in my story that, that's going to post very soon on uh, firepitcollective.com. It's like this is the age of cognitive dissonance, right? Like it, it, this this whole experience being here on the ground stirred up a lot of competing emotions. Like on one hand – it's impressive what, what Liv has built in a very short amount of time. I mean, it was a very well-run tournament, and all the trappings were really well done. Um, but then, you know, his excellency so-and-so gets on the mic at the presentation, and it's just, you get a little chill, like, oh, yeah, these are the guys, you know? And um, so you're, you can't divorce yourself from where the money came from. Um, but then there, there's some, you know, some interesting stories, like, you know, Peter Uline finishes fourth, makes over a million dollars. That's seven times what he's made on the PGA Tour this year in 15 starts. And he's a guy who spent a decade trying to really find a home. Like maybe he's finally found one. Maybe he can be the player we thought he was going to be. Strangely, you know, Liv will be a place where he can he can work it out and, and then it'll transfer into the majors. But then even as the competition's going on and, and you know, Charles Schwarzel's getting his first win in six years, that gets overshadowed by the news break that – um, Patrick Reed and Pat Perez have now joined Live. Follows the announcement yesterday that Bryson's officially coming aboard. There was rumors all over Twitter that Kokrak and Harold Varner are next, and so the, it just keeps growing and evolving. And you know, Live has now uh, accumulated this this critical mass of of legit players. You know, you got Hall of Famers and Phil and Dustin will be one day. You have ha you know half a dozen major championship winners like Schwartzel. 
they've got some big personalities like Poulter uh, and uh, Perez and others. But get, getting these these the coke racks of the world is significant because they're going to elbow out of the field some of these guys never heard of, which kind of hurt the credibility of the tournament. And they also they have pretty legit spots in the world ranking. And this that's one of the biggest issues that now faces live is can they be granted world ranking points that will allow their players to keep competing in the majors. And if that happens, the PGA Tour has no leverage over these guys. I mean, uh, so the more players they get, the harder they are to ignore. And they're clearly going to keep getting more players. So it was a, a momentous week for uh, professional golf. And um, it was also a kind of a complicated viewing experience for those of us who were here. Michael Bamberger, your thoughts. Well, I, I, you know, Alan was there. We're so fortunate uh, to have had Alan there and to have his uh, insights. Uh, Alan's covered a, a, a lot of tournament golf over, uh, you know, a quarter century or more. Um, we know what it's like to be Sunday, in this case, not Sunday, but the last round of, of a tournament. Did he, we get wrapped up in the shot making, like all the other stories go aside and we, you know, we care about how the thing's going to play out. Did you feel that on any emotional level today where you actually cared about the tournament itself? Yeah, because I've always been a Schwartzel fan. You know, when he won the Masters in 2011, that's one of the greatest Sundays ever uh, at Augusta National. And a year later, I did this, this this recreation, this forensic recreation of that whole day. So I've always cared about him on more than most. And he's just been lost in the wilderness with injuries and putting problems. And so he was trying to win for the first time anywhere in the world in six years. And he had a, he had a five shot lead at the turn. And then he started making really bad swings and the lead got down to two and he was really struggling. And for a little bit, it was compelling to watch. Like this is a proud champion, a guy who's trying to restart his career and throw out the money and all that. Like this is a guy who did not want to cough up a five shot lead on the back nine. It would have been devastating. And uh, he was playing with this kid from South Africa um, who uh, you know, Henny Duplassus, who uh, they were they were the same group. And so there was that energy. And uh, so, yeah, it actually felt like a golf tournament for a while. And, you know, Schwartzel got it in the barn and that uh, he's, he's a great you know champion for them. I and mean, the guy's won a Masters and he's played all around the world and he's very classy, well-spoken individual. So um, for most of the week, all the off the course stuff completely dominated the actual golf. It's been like sideshow after sideshow. But there was about an hour and a half where there was some compelling golf to watch. Speaking of sideshows, we probably shouldn't go any further without sort of addressing the idea that after you got removed from Phil's press conference, you know, you went back, you wrote your game straight, you went back the next day, you obviously had been credentialed. Was there any other sort of follow-up or were you escorted out? Did you ever get a chance to ask Phil, a question, what, you know, did you ever have a chance to go face to face with Greg Norman? What's kind of the wrap up to all, to, you know, to that sideshow? Yeah, no, it was disappointing when I was walking in the next day, Norman was sort of coming at me with his uh, press person and somebody else. And his, his PR woman says, hi, Alan. I was like, oh, hi, Jane. Hi, Greg. But Norman didn't even look. He just like stared straight ahead like. And I mean, I would have loved to have wrapped it out with him. Like, what happened? And, but, you know, that was really, he's, and then, so, so then, yeah, I went, I just did, did my job and I had no hassles. But the challenge for reporters of covering this tournament is all 48 players finish at the same time and they're coming in from every direction. They're getting disgorged out of these cabs in different places. And 
um, to try and manage that chaos, they, they really want all the interviews to happen in this confined like flash area. Um, you know, I'm not one to totally always follow the rules. So I was looking for Phil just cause I want to be like, dude, can we have like one quick moment, like human to human? Like you can be pissed off. I don't care, but like, why don't we just get it out of the way? At some point we have to have some interaction, but I never saw him. I don't know where they dropped him off, but it wasn't kind of the spot with a lot of other players. And same thing today. I mean, it was, um, I went out and watched him play a couple holes, but, you know, uh, they, they didn't give me inside the ropes lanyard. Like every other reporter had, like, I think that was one, one of, that was one little subtle way. They're trying to keep me away from Phil. So whatever. So, it didn't happen on the golf course and they never brought him in again. And they didn't bring Norman in for a press conference, which was crazy. Cause like, this was his victory lap. I mean, he did it for all the, the missteps, whatever, like they launched this thing and it would, by any real metric, it was a success. He would, the Greg Norman was dying to come in and beat his chest. You know that, but I guess people have just said like, Greg, we got to put you in the cooler here. So, uh, so no, no Norman, no Mickelson. It's kind of the whole thing fizzled out. It was actually fine. I was happy to, just have things be mellow. But so now, of course, I'm going to go at Phil's press conference on Monday at Brookline and I want to ask him a question. I want to ask him for a while, like, you know, if they just let me do it in London when nobody was around and nobody really cared, it would have taken all the starch out of it. But now it's going to be like this whole fucking thing again. So, uh, so yeah, there's, there's no real resolution, but whatever. Mac Barnhart, uh, you, you, uh, along with Michael Sims and Colt Nedler will be, Continuing with the podcast, we're going to call the real game, and uh, and it's for the perspective of of a player manager, a guy who has been in the trenches from a business side of all of this, working with players to advance their business. Uh, I I think your perspective has been critical, and and I'm looking forward to hearing it today as well. What are your thoughts? Uh, you know, we talked about a lot about this. I mean. As Michael said, the the toughest thing is getting past, you know, the the money where the money comes from, and and that's you know that takes it gives us a lot of pause, um, you know. But I don't know, you know, this sounds like I'm going to justify it, but I don't know how deep we can go about money. I mean, I know that Alan Stanford had money with the tour for a long time, and it was a it was a total sham. I mean, he was stealing money and. Um, if we can, you know, I just have to get past that. Okay. I just, I can't do anything about where the money came from. Um, the opportunity, you know, I had a client, Andy Ogletree played, didn't play great. Hadn't played in a few months, um, uh, which is kind of the, the point he, he got suspended, uh, from the PGA tour. He got a letter, um, Thursday after he played saying he's suspended. And funny thing is he hasn't played in a corn Ferry event this year. And so he's been rusty he hadn't had enough competition. And what made it more remarkable is this week, the Corn Ferry event in uh, Greenville didn't have a money qualifier. So Andy had no way of getting in other, outside of a sponsor exemption to play. So he had nowhere to play. Um, he played the week before in an international series event, which is owned by the Asian Tour. And the, the tour released him to play in that. Same money, same people. So that's the kind of crazy thing. Um, but from... From player's standpoint, you know, I got I had a player on tour that he did not accept he did not accept an offer to play. And he texts me, he says, So all those guys in front of me just got so I just moved up seven spots on the FedEx list. So every shot makes somebody happy. Um so you know, anytime there's an opportunity for a golfer to play, 
No one, you know, the tour's always been the place. I've said it long before. They've done a great job, great product. Um, I, I don't have any problem up top. My problem still goes to have they created enough opportunities for people to come along. There's a lot more competitive golfers than there were 30 years ago when they had the Hogan Tour when it first came out. Um, Andy, you know, Andy didn't play well. Um, super, super rusty, as he said. Um, but, you know, I look at it from a standpoint of I, I hate that, you know, I keep asking the question, if this is Warren Buffett's money or Jeff Bezos' money, what would the question be? It's, it's a new format. I don't know if it, you know, I watched it on YouTube. Um, there's a lot of shots hit. Obviously, there's no sponsors, so there's no commercials. Um, it's different, but so is, you know, everything that I see in the business. Um, but it's, it's, to me, it's a positive thing to have more opportunities for golfers to play outside of the, outside of the you know, the social aspect of where the money comes from. So these guys who have now crossed the proverbial Rubicon, yeah. like, what do they do now? So in, in Andy's case, he can't play Latino America. He can't, he can't play Corn Ferry. He can't play Canada. So is, is, is Asia now the spot because they have this alliance with the Saudis? Like, is, is the balance of power in, in lower-level golf going to shift towards Asia because that's where the opportunity is? I think is? so, yeah. That, I think I told you that I, had, I never had a conversation about the live golf with Andy at the beginning. It was all about the international series they have. Um, I think they're going to have 11 events or 13 events. I was looking for a place for Andy to play. Um, he couldn't get it. His number would just not get in a Corn Ferry event. Um, so, yeah, I think that's exactly what it's going to do. Um, there's going to be, you know, I think the international series is going to be between four and seven million dollar purses next year. Um, and if you call I mean, that's huge for a developmental circuit, I, I would I would call that I don't know what I'd call that triple A because, you know, the international series will be triple A compared to live. The Asian tour will be, you know, double A below that. And I don't know if there's going to be events under that, but. That would be, you know, it's always been my premise. I don't know if you just saw the tour just came out and, and it's $6,500 now to sign up for Q School. Um, there's three stages. Um, you, you know, you got to travel, caddies, do all that. And if you do get on, you can't even get to the tour. You'd still go to the, the Corn Ferry Tour, which is a great developmental tour. But the purses are not really enough for somebody to make a living. Um, and I don't Let me. Uh... Yeah. Mac, I'm going to jump in here because I got a uh, message just a little bit ago from a source on on tour who talked to a a tour official. And here's the reasons that he said that the price went up $1,200. Playing for a million next year, their prices, their purses are going from $750,000 to a million. The increase in uh, OWGR status, world ranking points. And the last one made me laugh hysterically. It said adding eight new sites on at uh, Q School. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Like, great. You're adding new sites where I can pay my $6,500. Do you think that's some sort of perk to me as a player? Like, what? I don't. It's it's unreal. It really is unreal. Is it yeah, unreal, uh, Ryan, or is it obnoxious greed? It, I mean, it is. <laughs> it's obnoxious greed. Like, and, and it, I mean, this is a whole separate thing, and we're going to get off in a, in a tangent, but. Um, <laughs> You know, again, they say it's to eliminate dreamers. That's not true because they have a pre-qualifying stage. It's the cheapest part of the stage. That's literally what the pre-qualifying was made for. Yeah. Ryan, who, who's using their phrase, uh, uh, get rid of the dreamers? 
eliminate the dreamers. Well, that's why they claim they have to have a price because the high price because they don't want people, you know, they don't want me teeing it up at at Q school, right? It, but it's such a minor mm-hmm. part. Like in the like, if you go look at Q school scores, there might be ten or twelve people who shoot like ninety at pre Q. But that's why the pre Q stage was literally invented yeah. to weed these people out, right? And anyway, it's just it. It, there's no like we have all said a million times there's no winners here like we can all bitch about to live rightfully so but, but to make money and trust me they make so if you want to play I, mac knows andy is it would have been in this boat if you want to play corn Ferry q school and miss there then play latin american q school and you miss there and want to play canadian q school there it's twelve thousand dollars in entry fees $12,000 in entry fees to play three Q schools. It's insane. The dream is what the whole thing's about. Uh, that's why we're drawn to it almost every sport. A kid has a dream to get in the bigs, and we're going to follow his path there, and then someday he's going to get there and hoist the trophy. And the biggest single difference between the PGA Tour and this Live Series is you earn your way onto that PGA Tour by shooting scores you kind of do in the live, but at the end of the day, it's an invitational. And to me, that's a huge difference. And for that fundamental reason, even though no one would ever articulate it that way, long term, I don't really see people gravitating to this live tour because it doesn't have that underlying competitive spirit that I think we love, actually. Yeah, I agree with that, Michael. Um, I mean, it was funny at the at the. If you, I would watch some of the, the final round on the streaming, and they're just talking about the money constantly, how much this putt could be worth. That's all they can fall back on. There's no history. But then they had this this splashy trophy presentation, and and the announcer, she's like, okay, finishing third place, you know, for two million dollars, and the crowd around me is like, oh, it, it inspires a little emotion, but like not not much. It's it, you know, we, we don't get a piece of that. So, yeah. um, but Mac, I want to go back to this point is we're just trying to educate and even for myself to understand the changing landscape. So there's been some talk about these live guys now trying to join the European PGA tour, which would give them many playing options. Um, if they want to supplement the live schedule. Now it would make sense for the European tour. They'd get all these great players. If they could co-sanction a few of these sound, these live events, then that would be a lot of money flowing to the, the European tour members. Um, but the European tour entered in the strategic alliance with the PGA <laughs> tour. So, what? Where does the European Tour fit into this now? And are, will they try and back away from the PJ Tour and get in bed with with Live? Like, what is your thought on where the European Tour? I wonder goes if the here? European Tour can survive this. Um, I don't know because again, if they, I mean, I guess there's in Europe. I don't think they've had a Q school in Europe for a couple of years because of COVID. I imagine when they release how to get onto the Asian Tour. Um, and knowing that there's international series events, I don't know. I don't know how many. I don't know what the personal European tour events, but they're not. It's not huge. But they're going to have the second largest real tour that has world ranking points. Last week, you had what five or six guys that finished that qualified into the live series. So there was an upward motivation, right? Um, I don't know. I don't know how the European tour will survive if they don't. I mean, that's my point. I don't know enough about it to say it, but. Um, yeah. And and, the, and the guys like Graham McDowell, who would always support the European Tour, Ian Poulter, Lee Westwood, you know, they're interestingly, the European Tour has not said that their members are banished like the PGA Tour did. They're kind of sitting on the sidelines trying to figure this out. And so 
um, you know, Martin Keimer's talking about he wants to go play the, you know, the BMW uh, or the German Open, what, whatever. I can't remember if it's sports or whoever the sponsor is. He wants to go back to Germany to play. He's not sure if he's going to be able to. Well, it doesn't serve the European Tour to banish these guys, just like it doesn't serve the PGA Tour. But the European Tour needs its stars even more because there's fewer of them. So um, where where the Euro Tour goes becomes that's the next domino in Absolutely. all of this. And everyone's holding their breath because they, they have not made any pronouncements like the PGA Tour did. So the 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 rumblings continue and um it, it's just it's such a <laughs> uh you know the, the what's what's going to happen though and and going back to like getting in getting into the tour to become a star how much money it takes i mean it's an amazing amount of money right and there's a lot of people that run out of money and if they don't run out of money they got the pressure of money while they're trying to develop in other words we'll go to baseball Kid comes out of college, he's signed by the Braves, but he's not good enough to be in the majors. They put him in single A. They don't pay him much, but they cover all his expenses. They cover all his training. They cover all the things that he needs to do to bring his skill level up to be in the majors one day. You know, you start leaving people out. You know, they're starting people to, to, unless you've got money or you're one of these kids that maybe gets a good contract from a club company. But you're going to see club, you know, club companies are not paying the kind of money they used to pay kids coming out of college that could support, you know, Andy was U.S. amateur champion and he got enough money for a couple years. But, you know, with COVID and his hip surgery, he was going to run out of money Monday qualifying. Um, and so it to me, it, you know, everybody worries about the top of it. I worry about all the kids that I'm signing coming out of college. How do they get a roadmap to become a star? Because it takes time to develop to become a tour player. And and people go, well, if they can't play for money, they probably shouldn't be playing on tour and all that stuff. But in reality, having funding to go and play so you can develop is is it's it's a much different story. And, and is that what you want? Is that the only people you want to have a chance or people that come from money or have this kind of flow? I don't know if that's fair. Um, you know, and yeah. we talk about all this stuff and you know, I I think I may have mentioned the matter. You know, I, I know someone that had a, a hardware store, and it owned it for thirty years. And Home Depot was coming in and building this big Home Depot, and they came to him and said, "Hey, we want to buy your store, and we want you to come run our hardware department at Home Depot." And the guy was just so mad about big business and so against you know this Wall Street money coming in and building this Home Depot. And he ran him out of his office. And six months after they opened, he went bankrupt and lost everything. Uh, was he right? I mean, he didn't like where the money was coming from. He didn't like where it was coming from. But the reality was that this he couldn't compete. And like it or not, that's I think that's where this is going to go. Um, if, you know, I think in this situation, in the book of Art of War, uh, I still say the tour should have at least had meetings and seen that there was some kind of common ground to move forward on because I don't think Liv's going anywhere. I really don't. The tour's arrogance, obviously, the tour's arrogance has definitely bit him in the ass. I mean, uh, and <laughs> several times. This great disruption is happening because of the, you know, in large part because of the tour's arrogance. Uh, wouldn't you say, Ryan? You know, they've been the only show in town. And, uh, you know, I think they believe that the political ramifications would would offset it. And, you know, once Dunst, Dustin left, now the next guy really is going to face almost no 
heat. He's going to face some on Twitter. He'll face some. But in the scope of things, he's not going to face things, right? Like Dustin took all the heat. Bryson's going to take some more heat. You know, I mean, a little bit of the less heat. Patrick's taking a little less heat. Patrick re, uh, Perez, they've already forgot about. Uh, you know, like the next guy, unless it's a huge, huge name like Rory or Tiger or whatever, like uh, Abe Answer goes, no one's going to be mad. Like it, it's kind of like there'll be some very vocal people mad, but I think in the scheme of things, and that's what the two are underestimated in my opinion. They're just like, yes, we have the greatest product. Yes, we're fine. Doesn't matter. This thing won't go. And here we are. It's going. Yeah, I think Monahan badly overestimated the value of PJ Tour membership. He thought that was his his ace. Like, if you guys go, you're not going to be PJ Tour members anymore. And they're like, okay, no worries. We're gone. And um, I think, you know, Bruce Kepka has said this for years. Like, if you're a good player, you're focused on the majors and all these other events in between are just filler where you can work on your game and or, you know, fill uh, your corporate commitments. But, you know, in some places you might have an emotional attachment like a Pebble Beach or whatever. But is, is, is a live event in London any different than, you know, the Greater Hartford Open? I mean, it's kind of similar crowd, similar energy, uh, similar field. Like, I think that, that Monaghan's critical mistake here was overvaluing what the PGA Tour means to these guys. I mean, Graham McDowell said, you know, People don't want to hear this, but it's just a business decision for us. Like, you, as a golfer, you got to look at how am I spending my time and what's the return on the investment. And um, so, I, I think this has been laid bare. They need romanticism about, you know, oh, you have all these relationships in the community and with the tournament directors and these longtime volunteers. And I love going back to this town and that's my favorite steakhouse. Like, pff, that's all out the window once the, once the purses get big enough. So, um, the allegiance to the, the PJ Tour is much more shallow than Monahan thought and. That that's one of his that's one of his big mistakes in all of this. I'll tell you guys, I you know I lived in New York. I, I, you know, Michael. The last time we worked together was the story on September twelfth after nine eleven. Right, like for me, this has always been you know oh Saudi money. You know, Alan, you, you wrote that incredible story that we dropped earlier in the Fire Pit Collective about don't rem- don't forget about who Saudi Arabia is. Uh, you know, 17 of 19 of the, you know, the terrorists came from Saudi Arabia. They they knocked down the Twin Towers. We lost over 3,000 Americans. Two of them I would call friends. And, you know, it was always like, I can't, you know, I can't, I can't be a part of, I can't support this, you know. And, and obviously Greg Norman is, to me, is just a, is something that you find on the bottom of your shoe. <laughs> and, and, and so I can't support that either. And, and and yet, you know, yesterday, CNN, Joe Biden, you know, gas prices are going up. You know, we are going to reset our relationship with Saudi Arabia. <laughs> it's like, you know, the United States of America is resetting its relationship with Saudi Arabia for, you know, reasons that seem obvious, you know, oil and and money. And as he's trying to preserve his place as a, you know, a president of the United States, I and and we've had our issues with the PJ Tour. I, I there is no other game in town. I I, I we ha, you know there's a monopoly on professional golf. They're jacking up prices of Q School. They limit purses at the you know minor league level. You know, right now as I sit here today, as we continue to process everything that's going on, and setting aside you know and, and again, United States isn't perfect. 
China's not perfect. They, you know, let's go country by country, you know, and Mac, you've made this point, right? I mean, nothing's perfect. And in the big scheme of things at this point, I'm in the camp of the disruption. I'm in the camp of that. There's a comp, there's a competition. I'm in the camp of like, let it all play out in courts. Let these guys go, not go. At this point, I don't really care. You know, I just left Goat Hill Park, member, member. You know, you know what I care about? The recreational game, the game of golf, the health of the game as a whole, the fact that I want to teach my son the game and some integrity around what it brings to us in life. Like, I'm sort of like, let it just, let it burn. Let the PGA Tour burn. Let all this stuff burn and let's see what a bigger, better product will be on the back end of this and have it make sense from a low level to a top level uh, for the people who, you know, who can shoot 62 on any given day, have the chance to go make a living playing professional golf. It doesn't, it doesn't need to be that, that crazy. Matt, I think that's really well said. And I agree with a, a lot of it. And I would, I would, now is a great moment. And Matt, we talked about this very briefly earlier to really flip this whole thing and for the PGA Tour to become the disruptor. You think you're going to disrupt us? Well, we're going to disrupt you. And now they move slowly because they're the Titanic, but they've got to reinvent <laughs> themselves here. The PGA yes. Tour has to reinvent itself yes. here. Now, to Monaghan, it's easy to be critical of Monaghan now, but I would say it was not a fair fight from the get-go. He did the math. The math was easy. They got $400 billion. We got a couple million sitting around here. So he was going to lose no matter what. $800 million, actually. Okay. He was going to lose no matter what. He's got no money. They got all the money. Um, you know, he, he, every week he's got to be on the phone with this chairman and that chairman begging, begging, begging. But now he could really, I don't know whether it's a slim down tour or it's a shorter season. It's stealing some of these ideas. Maybe there could be, I would much prefer PJ tour that was athletic and lean and you cared about it because the root of this whole thing for majors, we're all drawn to the majors. We're drawn to the majors because we care, the players care, the course cares, the course doesn't want him embarrassed, the members don't want him embarrassed. There's so much pride on the line. With, I don't think you're ever gonna have that with this live tour. And they can try to dress it up with the cabs and the flyovers and the 54 holes and blah, blah, blah. But the fact is golf is a slow, contemplative, difficult game. And it always will be, and it will always be, and there's only a small segment of the population that's really, really gonna be drawn to it. And the PGA Tour has gotta get a brain trust together, which they may not have at the moment, and maybe they need the five of us, plus Jake. <laughs> and figure out what can we be because this is not working. It's not working. Get yeah. off your ass. Quit trying. Get out of the ivory tower. Get down on the ground. Go out to some of these Q school vets. Talk to the players who $6,500 to get You know how much money that is? I'm, I'm here with Daniel Augustus, who's playing on the APGA, who got boned out of being at the Billy Horschel's event for no apparent reason, even though he's top five on the money list. Like, stop doing stuff that bones people who are trying to make a living playing professional golf. Get off your ass and do something that makes sense and be sensible about what's happened. These guys are masters of their craft and they're getting rototilled into the great ground of like, you can't make it because you don't have enough money. What is going on? Elevate Tiger to commissioner of competition. I don't care any title he wants, pay him whatever he wants. He needs something to do with the rest of his life. 
have a short season from January through the Ryder Cup. Get rid of that President's Cup. And then have a two-month season of three-person three teams, a senior player, a regular player, and a women player, people who have some common interest, who bond in some way, and they'll play some kind of team competition through October, maybe mid-November. Call it a day, actually have an off-season, and then start again in January. Do something totally different, but... As a starting point, bring in Tiger because Tiger is still Tiger. And none of these other guys have grabbed us. And by the way, if I never see Patrick Reed hit another golf shot again in my life, I will not care. Me either. <laughs> is this a podcast or a therapy session? Well, you've had an outlet all week. We've been sitting around. Hey. Yeah, you know, Jesus. And by the way, Jeff Ogilvie, Jeff Ogilvie be, will, will be on with us all next week. And he, he couldn't join today because it was his birthday yesterday. Happy birthday to Jeff Ogilvie, one of the most thoughtful voices in the game. And I can't wait to hear his great perspective on all of this. But I have a feeling he's going to be in the camp of I'm for the disruption. He's the guy who started the Sand Belt Invitational himself to try to have got people make more money at that level in which, you know, you're 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 giving more money to the people who don't win as opposed to the people who do win. I, I think the fact that the people who are causing the disruption is Saudi Arabia and they have so many political ramifications, you know, all those kind of things stacked against them and it seems to at least get be getting off the ground and have some legs is a real testament to how the PGA tour was sitting on their hands, right? Like this is the easiest one to defeat. If someone gets, you know, we've talked about the Premium League or some something else, like if this Saudi thing goes down because people are scared politically, I think it's opened the door for the fact that the PGA Tour is very vulnerable and you don't have the political ramifications of Saudi Arabia and you get funding together and you do this, then everybody's jumping ship because, like, you can do this same – if you – if somebody could figure out this same format and not have Saudi Arabia money, everyone's gone. All the all the top players are gone. There would be a line for the top 48 players. So uh, I, I think it's just a, a real testament to a, a real shot at the tour that Saudi Arabia, despite all the political stuff, is taking players. Yeah, that's a good point. And let me tell you, the Saudis aren't going anywhere because I saw them here all week. These guys are dying for legitimacy and for acknowledgement and we're here at the centurion club which is like this real bastion of the london ruling class probably a place that saudis might not be welcome in another context and so that's all these guys want is to be accepted and to to feel like they're part of this this global elite that you know they they, they've always been kept out of even you know sort of like trump can't buy his way into augusta Mm -hmm. national like the saudis could not buy their way into the centurion club but all of a sudden here they are and um, you know, even even in the the post round trophy presentation, His Excellency said, you know, he explained, live L I V is Roman numerals for fifty four. He's like, that's the perfect score in golf. Like, I guess if you birdie all, all eighteen holes, it is. But I'd like to have an eagle or an ace in there. So that's debatable. But and he said, you know, it's never been done. I know some guys have shot fifty eight and maybe fifty seven. He's like, if anyone shoots fifty four in a live competition, we'll pay them fifty four million dollar bonus. Like, he was serious. Like now. 
that's that that'd be a hell of a round of golf but um, no that can happen in portland if they, if they play at 5800 yards yeah i mean exactly like maybe they'll start setting the courses easier because so someone can make a run at it but the point is like this guy was it was like you're you're toasting at like a, an occasion and you're, you're a little tipsy you're like okay i'll buy i'll buy six rounds for everybody like that was kind of the vibe like okay 54 million dollars sure i don't care like that was just the energy of it so these guys are loving this they're they're not going anywhere like they're now they get to go to Portland, another great city. You know, then they're going to be rubbing elbows with U.S. President Donald Trump twice this year. Like the Saudis are going nowhere. But um, one thing I wanted to, um, you know, your comment, Michael, about Patrick Reed. I mean, can we just acknowledge that the guys that they're acquiring are a bunch of pain in the asses? Patrick Reed, Bryson DeChambeau, Ian Poulter, Sergio Garcia, I mean, Pat Perez, like, I'm sure the, the the Mac, you would know this, the guys who manage the, the player relationships on the PJ tour, they must be celebrating. They don't have to deal with these guys anymore. Like it, it's a really funny Kevin Naw, like it's a really funny group of personalities. I think it helps live because these are players that inspire emotion and conversation on social media that's probably much bigger than their actual accomplishments might be. Um, but it's it's a like can you imagine you know, like a rain delay and they're all in the locker room like all these all these weird dudes like it could be it could be hysterical so i don't know there's it's that's a lot of personality up in yeah, here. i'm, I'm uh, up in the mountains right now i talked to an older gentleman about it and and he he had a i don't know his comment but you know he he said you know look i you know my my father fought landed in normandy and you know to free you know against germany and how he would never have a German car. And he had a, he bought a BMW and his wouldn't let him park it in the driveway. Um, we've had Japan bomb us in 41. And I'm sure there were people that fought in the Pacific that would never buy a product from Japan. And they had the same. So I, I'm, is it there, is there going to be a day that where Saudi Arabia is forgiven and, you know, we move on and they do come up, you know, come into the world. Um, does it happen? Um, so I, you know, they're not going anywhere. Um, I don't think the political problem with the money is going to stop them. I don't think it's going to stop anybody. Most of the people behind the scenes, there's a lot of players that I've gotten calls from that I don't represent that wanted to know, how did you get Andy in? What's the deal? It's a lot of players and they, you know, I mean, I tweeted it out before the tournament, Mac. I said, if Henry, if Henny Duplass wins the $4 million, there's going to be a line from here, you know, from Chicago to Portland uh, signing up because they assume they can beat Henny. And sure enough, the dude finished second, collects $2.8 million, changes his life. And I guarantee you it made a lot of people in Canada this week and a lot of people on the European tour go, I've, I've beat that guy a million times, and he just collected $2.8 million. Maybe I should go get in line. He, he basically tripled his lifetime career earnings in three days. Now he's only, he's only twenty. He's only twenty-five, but it's pretty startling. Like that's incredible. Alan, he he, he turned pro seven years ago, and he's. I mean, I his two wins on the. I mean, I looked it up. His two wins on the Sunshine Tour were forty-one thousand dollars and forty-three thousand dollars. So, like, I mean. Literally, if he never gets a lift start again, it changed his life today. Like, changed his life. He can afford Q school. Okay. 
So, 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 so the question is just before we go, we'll wrap this up. Let's go around the horn. Cause we got all next week to continue to have conversations about this. Where does the PGA tour go from here? You know, instead of throwing pit money at the, the already rich, instead of, you know, instead of raising a purses, like, isn't there money and time and energy better spent at restructuring all of their tours and not just throwing money at like the top 10 richest players on tour? Well, I, I felt this earlier in the week and I really feel it now. I think the tours only play is to concede defeat and try and forge another alliance and do it with the Saudis and bring them into the fold, which of course live would love because it legitimizes them. And for, for the tour players, it's the dream scenario. You keep your membership, you get to play Pebble Beach and all the places you like, you know, whatever your favorite tournaments are. You, you keep all the FedEx cut bonuses and all that stuff. And you get to cherry pick a handful of these live events and make insane amounts of money. Like from the player's perspective, that's the ultimate victory. And it could be a win for golf fans. You know, if you put those events into the fall when there's not much going on, you'll get the stars off the couch because the purses are so big. There's this team element could be a fun twist. The tour that needs to shake up its formats. Like I, to me, it's blindingly obvious now. Um, Make them world golf championships like this. Someone's yeah. Or, you know, they just, they just become adjuncts, you know, it's, it's just call it some highfalutin. It's the international series and uh, whatever you want to call it. Um, it would strengthen the tour schedule. The money would flow to the players. It would give the Saudis a the legitimacy they crave. Uh, there's really no losers uh, that I can see. This is very unlikely. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Greg Norman, Greg Norman and Jay Monahan working together would be amazing. Yeah, that, that's what I think. I mean, it, it, Alan, they might have been able to do that two months ago, but now I think it's too late. I mean, we might have to get a reading from Mac in the Art of War, whether it's uh, too late or not. But uh, <laughs> my. <laughs> my, my guess it my guess it is uh it, it is too late for that um i don't i don't i don't know i don't see they could find maybe a partner but i don't think it would be the, i don't think it would be the saudis i i thought alan you might say something even more extreme which is let them all go we're still the pga tour and um if you love golf, you're going to love to watch what we what we give you, which uh, has worked for 100 years and probably will for the next 100 years. You know, this is bandwagon stuff, and uh, there is tried and true. Um, you know, if Major League Baseball, if there was a competing league that where there where there were metal bats and you know, and 250 foot you know, uh, home run fences, it, it wouldn't be golf. Uh, it wouldn't be. It would be a different form of golf, and. Um, I think the PGA Tour can still be the PGA Tour, but a different PGA Tour than the one that we've known. Mac? Um, I think there's a lot of changes coming. I think what the, probably what they'll do is they'll start looking at reducing the age of the Senior Tour, the Champions Tour, uh, below 50. Maybe probably get it to 45. Give, give these guys that spend those few years commentating or trying to commentate or whatever a place to go play. I think they will... I don't know. I don't think they'll go back to the to the rabbit days where there's only 60 people exempt. But I do think maybe they'll go to lessening how many exempt players there are, opening up the Monday qualifiers to get more. Because you know you're right. You know it's great. You know we always want to see Tiger win. We want to see Rory win. But how cool is it when somebody Monday qualifies and wins and changes their life? Uh, I think Arjun Atwal might no Corey Connors. 
was the last guy to, to Monday qualify. I think that their development tour will have to find a way to go back to the roots of like the Hogan tour. It was developed to where people could drive week to week and keep their their costs down and their expenses down, not flying to the Bahamas for two weeks and then, you know, South America for two weeks. And then, and I think that that qualifier, I think when they came up with Hogan was, I think there's eight, but there used to be 16 or 18 spots a week to Monday qualifying. Um, you know, they've got the, they've got the PGA tour U deal where they give a guy status on a certain tour, as long as they stay in tour college for two, uh, four years. Uh, if they would go look at their star base and see how many years of college, all their star base went to college. If they went, it wasn't four years. Um, so I think they've got a lot of changes that they, they're going to make. I do. I think, I mean, I haven't talked to anybody, but I think they have to get the developmental part of it back to the grassroots. Uh, I'm going to give you an example. Andy Ogletree, he does, his number doesn't get in, but there are people that play events on the Corn Ferry Tour to play five events so they can get their insurance paid. And they're just filling the field and they're taking spots away. Um, so I think there's, you know, the past champion status. Um, you know, the past champion status is brought up when people were quitting golf at 40, not winning golf tournaments at 60. <laughs> um, so the, all those things need to revamp, uh, I think. So I do think they can do it. And, you know, the tour, you know, the President's Cup, you know, I mean, every year our, their stars have to go spend a week. They don't get paid to go play for their country. Um, you know, maybe they could have switched that around a little bit and, and let the European team play every other year against the, you know, the world tour. Because these guys, they say they love playing for the country, but behind the scenes, it wears them down. It's They know they're being used that week and they're not getting paid. Um, I think they just did too much and diluted the product. And – I. Just maybe bring in, you know, you know, if you've been to Sanderson Farms, there's no field there. I mean, Sam Burns won, but if you go to that tournament and tell me it's not a fun tournament, they that community embraces it. They have a great time with it. It's kind of like it's a small, you know, can't be compared to what Scottsdale is at the, the waste management. But I wonder if they suspended play and didn't, nobody played at waste management for a day that anybody would notice. Well, they have 120,000 people come. I mean, it, I mean, there's more to it than just this game of golf. We say, man, you know, there's so much. But we, if you, the local communities that the money's raised for, they're still getting the benefit. And I don't, I don't know that it's a big deal if, if Rory doesn't show up or if some of them show up. So I think there's a lot of changes they can do to make it. When there is a PJ Tour event being played, it is exciting and the big guys are there. And maybe that there's a level underneath it into Sanderson Farms, in Sea Island where I live, that it's a community gathering. I mean, it's kind of a it's a it's a fun time. So I think they will. I don't think I agree with you. I don't think they're far I think they're too far gone to negotiate with the tour. How about treating the caddies a little better too? You know, I mean like I mean it's, it's just a, I mean it doesn't end. But Ryan, I know you love this after Alan, Michael and and Max speak, you, you got some, you got some thoughts for us. <laughs> yeah. After the people who have covered it their entire life or lived it, I have to go to finish it up. This is always a great, I swear to God, next fucking podcast, we're changing the order. I'm going for it. Uh, it was so fucking stupid. <laughs> oh, let's wrap it up with the guy who's been in this game the least. All right. Perfect. 
<laughs> you've built your, you've built, you've given a voice, you know, you've, you've diligently and selflessly given a voice to the level of player that we're talking about. Yeah. You, I mean, to, honest, to the, honestly, you know, honestly, I'm scared. Uh, you know, Mark and I have had this conversation a lot. I am, I am very scared for the guys like Mark or Andy or those guys that, that pro golf is getting so focused because of live on the top players of the game, that that's where the PGA tour heads and the corn Ferry becomes 71st on down or 51st and on down. Right. Like, and, and this game, there, there's no going to be no surprise winners ever. Right. Never. There's never going to be the Parker McLaughlin's or uh, the Sean McKeels or ever like, that's where I, I'm Connor. concerned. Yeah. I, I'm concerned yeah. about that. Is that they're going to look at this product? They've always been top uh, of the field, stars focused. The PGA Tour now this makes them even more hyper focused because that's what the Live is doing. I, I'm concerned. In ten years, we're looking at the Live Tour at 48 players and the PGA Tour at 70, and everybody else is fighting for nuggets to feed those two tours. Wow. This is, this is unbelievable, and t- lots more coming, including U.S. Open week. <laughs> oh, there's a major this week. I don't know. When, when do we talk about that, Matt? <laughs> I mean, Monday. Uh, yeah. Let me fly across. Where, where are they the playing that this year? Yeah. It's a shot. It's a shotgun start, Michael. You know, you haven't heard. No. <laughs> You know, Ryan, to your last point, there, there is a little thing in, in my book where um, Brandel Chamblee's replaying this conversation he had with Phil, like in the 90s, and Phil's saying, the P.J. George should just be the top yeah. 30 players, and that's it. And and Chamblee's like, he wasn't aware, like, that would be eliminating my job. He didn't even understand what he was it, saying to me. But, like, that, that's, that's been a vision for some of these it, players It's for so a long funny, time. Alan, way before the Live Tour, uh, like, maybe six months ago, Billy Horschel, said the same thing he said maybe we should you know get the pga tour down to 80 people and it's so funny how people even the stars forget like where they came from uh billy horschel went to q school four times okay like finished 115th on the pga tour money list and kept his card three times so like before we start getting to like hey let's get rid of everybody let's that's why i hope that the pga tour never gets to that because Regardless of the the top top stars, as as Mac knows, and we all know, is the tour is made up of mostly guys who have played somewhere else, or didn't get through Q school, or had to go back to Q school, and now became stars. So, uh, that's what I hope that the tour and the pack hold on to that we never get to that. But I I think this is at least from my behalf, and obviously it's a biased opinion. Is is I'm concerned that we're like two forty-eight player fields away and divide up the stars and let's go in, in 10 years. I, 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 am afraid of that too. I would like to remain hopeful that as a result of this disruption and cage rattle, that, that in the end, that maybe we end up with a better system and a better product. I'm going to stay hopeful. Well, I, you know, I think there was an implication in Max's point about, you know, Sanderson Farms and the Sea Island event that if the tour, the, the tour has lost its way. Nobody thinks of Jay Monahan running a not-for-profit company with the corporate jets and all the CEOs and the, and, the, and the time that they have. But what Mac is describing 
is a not-for-profit uh, a vision of the golf. And one thing this Live Golf is not, I mean, it's a, literally, it is a for-profit company. Uh, and the PGA Tour has to differentiate itself from that. You know, at the, at, at the Masters, they never, who even knows or cares what, what, what first-place money is uh, uh, at the Masters? It never, it never gets talked about. Um, Greg Norman couldn't even couldn't even get Fred Ridley on the phone to talk about a uh, possible path for from live uh, to the masters in the first place. So there there is a it's a different thing what live is trying to do. And I think what the PJ Tour can do is double down on what they really are, which is what Mac just described, really super regional events. And even that Pebble Beach tournament, as national as it is, is a really a regional event. Um that puts on a show for locals, that raises money for local charity. And on some weeks, but not every week, the whole country tunes in, but more often, maybe not. I, 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 hope, that, I hope that in the end, that when we go live with next year's Wishbone Brawl, instead of calling Xander Shoffley and Fred Couples and John Ashworth to say cease and desist, they say, wow, what an incredible event you're having out there. I hear you're raising money for kids the PGA Tour would like to send a check for $50,000 and add to the pot. And congratulations for putting together an incredible event with Persimmon Woods at a mini municipal for 1,200 people, 1,200 onlookers. Have a great week and, uh, and, and we'll see you soon. Where do we send the money? And instead of when we're out trying to cover Mark Baldwin's dream scenario of getting a sponsor's exemption to AT&T and we're covering his round out there where no cameras are, and we're showing a few videos and a few pictures. They say thank you for supporting our sponsors and our event and bringing more eyeballs to our product uh, because we know you put out a lot of money and a lot of effort and manpower to try to do so. Instead of the phone calls of cease and desist, it's a phone call to say and celebrate the idea that there are people out there trying to promote your product. Get out of the tower. Get down on the ground. Otherwise... I'm all for the other side. <laughs> well, we have we have cats sleeping with dogs in Norman and Monaghan. Now you've got you're reinventing the whole tour's uh, corporate ethos. Like this, we've turned into a bunch of dreamers here on this podcast. But uh, I, I think that's that's what this moment is doing. Like everything's up for grabs, and we're just we're uh, we're all we're all no one knows what's going to happen. It's going to be fascinating, and we're just trying to be tour guides for the listeners. But uh, there's there's so much unsettled and to play out it's really a gift from the content gods i mean for the players for the players it's a windfall of of uh, undreamed of riches for us it's just endless content so i there are some there are different winners here i guess alan thanks for uh thanks for everything you did this week for making that track for doing your job for having the brass set of balls that you have to uh show up uh even though mickelson didn't have the brass set to to answer any questions and uh Again, I appreciate everybody being here. I appreciate everybody, everybody listening. More to come from the Fire Drill and the Fire Pit Collective next week from Boston. It should be an incredible event. <laughs> and I can't wait to see how this unfolds. Um, Alan, you're the man. I say this uh, very seriously. Get home safely. <laughs> see you tomorrow. I'll try it. Another log on the fire 
Nobody here is getting tired 